Coming up on Stu Does America, are the crowds celebrating Joe Biden's election supposed victory, potentially spreading coronavirus supposedly? Robbie Suave, senior editor for Reason, is here to discuss. And AOC shared some thoughts regarding her not-so-progressive Democratic colleagues. This is the part where we sit back with some popcorn and watch them eat each other. Good times. Thank you to everyone watching on our YouTube channel and helping it to grow. Of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to this channel, rate and review us, and click the little bell that gives you notifications every time we post. If you're watching YouTube right now, click like. Make the like thing go up. I think that means something. You're positive. I don't even know. And thanks as well to our podcast listeners. Find us on iTunes or your favorite provider. And don't forget to leave me a note in the reviews. I love having myself in the show called Stupid while getting five-star reviews. I just love it. And the biggest thanks of all to our Blaze TV subscribers who have access to everything this network has to offer. For a limited remaining time, you can head to blazetv.com stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 30 bucks off your subscription. It's traditional that incoming presidents in our country try to appeal to both sides of the aisle and start their new administration off on bipartisan footing. It's also tradition for Democrats and the left to use that beautiful idea as their own personal toilet. Don't picture that too vividly. Let's just do unity. Stu does America. There have been a lot of calls for unity from the left after Joe Biden's win. I'm all for some, you know, good old fashioned unity. Where do I sign up? Oh, wait, how convenient. I don't even have to sign up because I'm already on a list. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We might not have a choice to unify, but the media is super pumped to snuggle up to President Biden. Seeing this all over the media right now. Coming soon, a restoration of normal relations between the president and the press corps. (laughs) I know I for one. And feeling good about that fourth estate. No scandal, no matter how concealed, is going to penetrate these defenses. Surely CNN will be incredibly fair in their handling of this story. This is vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know. And you're going to the store and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you. And you're worried about your kids and you're worried about your sister. And, and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace. Yeah, what he said. Look, you have to understand the emotions there. This was a historic moment and emotional reactions are understandable. The president of the United States of America, with all of its previous problems and struggles, this country has come together to elect the oldest white male in American history. We did it, guys. Now, I assume they recognize this history of the election in 2016, too, right? This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. That was a little bit different, I will say. But as we said, 2020 was the oldest white man in history. 2016 was just the election of the 
oldest white man in history. But now is the second oldest white man in history. Progress. The question is, will these hateful conservatives get on board with the unity train? Or will they need to be put on other kinds of trains? Let's ask the socialist from this nation. Socialist from this nation. That doesn't really work. Uh, Shorten it. Uh, National socialist. Let's call it that. Everyone's favorite perma victim, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She tweets, is anyone watching these Trump sycophants for when they try to play, downplay their or deny their complicity in the future? I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, and photos in the future. <laughs> decent probability. Ugh. Marxists and lists go hand in hand, or feet in chains, one of the two. Luckily for AOC, comrades uh, and her, of course, work together, and they've already thought of this idea of lists. Lists of people to eliminate from society always work well, and that's why we have lots of fun commissions and projects to come up with lists and implement the punishments. Like Chris uh, Chris Hayes tweeted, the most humane and reasonable way to deal with all these people, if we survive this, is some kind of truth and reconciliation commission. And then Robert Reich had, you won't believe this, the exact same idea. When this nightmare is over, we need a truth and reconciliation commission. It would erase Trump's lies, comfort those who have been harmed by his hatefulness, and name every official, politician, executive, and media mogul whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe. What a coincidence. But they weren't the only ones with that idea. Isn't this weird? We need a truth and reconciliation process for the Trump era. When the post-Trump moment comes, there will be a temptation to turn the page. Instead, we need deep reflection. Or this one. We're going to need a truth and reconciliation commission to recover from Trump. History alone cannot hold Trump and his enablers accountable for the crimes they have committed. Now, normally, we have a legal system to hold people accountable for crimes. But good news, the Democrats finally got on board with embracing the private sector. Hmm. Let's look at the upside. If the Truth and Reconciliation Commission isn't your bag, how about the Trump Accountability Project? Responding to AOC's jumbled mess of a tweet, For people to make lists, the founder said, quote, you better believe it. We just launched the Trump Accountability Project to make sure anyone who took a paycheck to help Trump undermine America is held responsible for what they did. Here's what the site looks like today. Uh, Pretty, pretty fancy. We must never forget those who furthered the Trump agenda. Now, this fancy thing, it kind of looks like it took about three minutes to make on Squarespace. But it's actually new. Before that, it just redirected to a spreadsheet of names. We have the spreadsheet. I mean, look at this. Uh, You know, Bill Stepien, Max Miller. uh, Let's see who else. Laura Trump. Hmm. Steve Bannon. Kellyanne Conway. You'll notice Kellyanne uh, at the bottom there. And then under administration, you'll see a lot of familiar names. You have to laugh at this stuff a little bit. I mean, I, I... did, did you really think that people would forget that Ivanka Trump was part of the Trump presidency? I, I think they may have remembered that. Luckily, they do have Jared Kushner on the list as well, because no socialist list is complete without some Jews on it. <laughs> Moving on to the appointees. 
Look at all these. Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch. I would question their inclusion of all three Supreme Court justices. These are lifetime appointments. They, they don't have to look out for jobs ever again. That's why it's a sweet gig. That's why everyone wants it. Anyway, the messages of unity have been absolutely overflowing the last couple of days. Can you feel the spirit? This one is wonderful from Joe Lockhart. This is not meant to be mean or vindictive. No, no. But the people around real Donald Trump who have enabled him to bring our democracy to the brink have to be held responsible for what they've done. They can't be rewarded for what they've done. Next up, we have this guy, Wajahat Ali, who says you can't heal or reform the GOP, who are now an extremist party. They have to be broken, burned down and rebuilt. When Biden is in power, treat them like the active threats to democracy they are. If those who committed crimes aren't punished, then they will be more emboldened. Next, we have Toure. Toure, hooray for Toure. If you're a Trumper, I hope the pain and anxiety you feel now is excruciating. Can you feel the unity yet, guys? Are you feeling the unity? You just voted against America and for a cult leader who has no redeeming or admirable qualities. He's a cretin who cares nothing about this country, and you don't either. You deserve all the pain and more. Sounds like he's from, like, uh, it's it's like he's, like, next to Andre the Giant in The Princess Bride. Jennifer Rubin from The Washington Post, their conservative commentator, had this little rosy diatribe. Here it is. It's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to, we have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them, because if there are survivors, if there are people who weather this storm, they will do it again. They will take this as confirmation that, hey, it just pays to ride the waves. Look at me, I've made it through. And so up and down the ticket, federal, state, local offices. The country has to repudiate this. We can all unite and hope there are no survivors from the Trump administration. Right, guys? Lincoln Project co-founder Steve Schmidt also had some thoughts. It is essential to understand what we are watching. Joseph Robinette Biden. I mean, who puts his middle name in there when they're not trying to be funny? Joseph Robinette Biden of Delaware has been elected president of the United States of America. Number two, American democracy is under attack by the defeated president. Number three, he is not acting alone. He is supported in this attack by his White House and campaign staff. He is also supported by several law firms. All of these people are complicit in the assault against American democracy. None of them should ever be forgiven. All of them should pay a brutal price for betraying the American ideal. I mean, you give a little credit to Jake Tapper, who pointed out the ridiculousness of all of this. An organized attempt by former Dem officials to blackball from employment anyone who worked for the U.S. government during the Trump administration seems the exact opposite of the calls for unity and healing we've heard from President-elect Biden. Yeah, uh, sounds pretty true. Good for him for pointing out what should be obvious to everyone. But it was Tapper's former employer, Salon, who captured the real emotional state of the modern left. It's Biden's job to act like a grown-up, but unity and civility are a long way off. It's natural for Biden to set the tone, but civility toward racists and conspiracy theorists is not an option. You can't unite. You can't be civil. That's the modern left. 
Yet the media is harassing D.C. Republicans and normal everyday Trump voters into jumping on board sort of yeah, like with a nationwide version of Kumbaya. Not only has the left not done any of that for the past four years or the eight years before that, they are still actively doing the opposite. Look, if this legal stuff doesn't amount to enough to change anything and Joe Biden is our next president, I'll live with it. I'll hope he sucks a lot less than I think he will. But I'm not going to burn down any cities over it. If you're making lists of punishment and retribution, it's hard to argue that you have the high ground. By the way, if you need me to sign my own name to the list, I'm up for it. But leave some extra room because I'm going John Hancock all over your asses. All right, let me give you uh, a little bit of cool technology advice. Uh, Fasten, it's an app uh, from the people at Fast Blast. And if you don't know anything about intermittent fasting, you're not alone. It's a new kind of a new thing, I guess. People are doing more and more often. It's certainly exploding in popularity. Helping people lose weight and keep it off by changing the way you think about food completely. Fasten, F-A-S-T-E-N, is the app. You can go to your app store on your phone right now and type it in. You can get it for free. And basically, it helps you track uh, your weight loss, helps track your hydration, a bunch of different things. But it also sort of gamifies uh, weight loss. Uh, it's hard to explain exactly how they do it, but it's really cool. And it makes you, it gets you into it a little bit. Plus, you can learn all sorts of things about intermittent fasting, how to do it. They can walk you through an entire process. They can help you make an entire plan from it. They've got smoothies that make it a lot easier. Plus, you can kind of have a lot of fun uh, doing it because the app is, is a little addicting. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. We always tell you to do your own homework, so I urge you to learn more about fasting with the free Fasten app, F-A-S-T-E-N. Just go to fasten, uh, fastblast.com slash blaze, fastblast.com slash blaze. You can get the free app, or you can go to your app store, F-A-S-T-E-N, in your app store. Download that puppy today. Get started with intermittent fasting and Fastblast, fastblast.com slash blaze. Happy to welcome back to the program, Robbie Suave. He's the senior editor uh, for Reason and the author of Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. Robbie, thanks for taking the time. Great to be here. Great to talk with you. Uh, let's start with the election a little bit um, and the reaction to it. Uh, first of all, we're seeing this thing play out, which I find to be very odd. We're hearing all these calls for unity from, I guess, Joe Biden specifically, but then every one of his supporters seems to be making lists of people who... <laughs> who were either Trump fans or worked in the Trump administration trying to prevent them from ever working again. Uh, this is not how a functioning uh, republic works. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it was always going to be unlikely that there'd be a, a, some kind of unity <laughs> after, uh, after this election result. We are still a very polarized, very bitterly divided country with millions and millions of people who voted for Joe Biden, but also millions and millions and millions of people who voted for Donald Trump. And, uh, and you know, nothing is going to resolve that. Um, I do think uh, possibly for people like myself who are libertarian-minded, liberty-minded, this, uh, this result is perhaps um, far from the worst <laughs> result. And in fact, it, there might be some benefits to it. I kind of like the idea of having divided government once again, of having, uh, you know, a, certainly a Republican Senate, if we do get that, which we don't know for absolute certain, but if we do get that, uh, a, a, a Republican Senate that can thwart 
um, all of the kind of left-wing legislation, judicial appointments, cabinet appointments, et cetera, and all the, uh, all the kind of big uh, radical changes that they need to make to the government itself, like statehood for DC, nuking the filibuster, expanding the court, all of that is stopped, mm. uh, assuming the, the Republicans do hold the Senate. And uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, sometimes bipartisanship is bad, right? That's something libertarians have learned all too well. Sometimes when everybody in the government agrees to spend tons of money or to have some, some program that, uh, that uh, uh, harms our civil liberties, uh, it's not good. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about what we might have in the near future. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think there's something to that. In fact, you know, there's that idea of gridlock maybe not being the worst thing. Maybe that's not such a bad word. Partially, I kind of think all these guys should just not show up to work every day and things would improve. Um, let me go to, though, the reaction to this from people, because and, and talking to your libertarian sensibilities, which which I share many of, there's this reaction of people Trump loses and there's an like a an incredible excitement to the point of where we see people dancing in the streets over this. Uh, on the other side, you see people depressed uh, about this about this loss. You saw people crying on television. Uh, all of these emotions pouring out of people. And I keep coming back to the same thing, which is government should not be powerful enough or influential enough in people's lives on a day to day basis that it should elicit this kind of emotion. That's exactly right. I, I, I long to return to the day where it didn't matter as much uh, who won the White House because they didn't have this vast power over our lives. I mean, this is why we're so part of the reason, at least we're so politicized, is because the stakes are very, very high. The voters of California and the voters of Florida and the voters of Texas and Michigan and Washington, D.C. and Virginia all have to live under the same monarch, a monarch with increasing powers. So if it, if, if it was more local uh, decision making or state at best, I guess, uh, then it wouldn't matter as much. We could, you know, the voters of one area could choose for themselves what kind of regime they want to live under. And somewhere else they can have, you know, slightly mm. different policies or more liberal policies or more conservative policies. And it wouldn't it wouldn't put us into this. It's a it's such a winner take all struggle because whoever wins determines, you know, so they have so much power, not even in just in, just in terms of passing legislation, but but in terms of you know, who staffs the vast army of federal bureaucracies that exist. All there's so many little changes to our to our rights, small ways uh, they're they're chipped away at that that don't even get kind of litigated center stage. So it really does matter and uh, and and it's a problem. I do I mean if there's a silver lining here, uh, Joe Biden is an easier person to ignore <laughs> than Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump his, has made his, his supporters and his detractors be kind of worked up about him all hours of every day, all the time. And, you know, for those of us who would kind of like to tune out what the government's doing um, or, or just be kind of less focused on every single thing, less hung up on every controversy, um, there, there is something to be said for for Joe Biden being the president. Yeah, at least it will be a little bit less in our face, which I, I will appreciate. And, and we can just hope that he uh, strives for that level of boring that you're talking about. Um, one of uh, I, let me go to kind of the reaction again when as people kind of pour onto the street, they're celebrating in the street. 
Um, it, 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 it's an interesting side by side where you see when conservatives or people on the right, people who want to open up businesses, they riot, they, or they rally, they never riot, but they rally, they gather. We hear terrible warnings of what could happen with the coronavirus. Uh, and then when the left goes out in the streets and they do the same thing with chanting and screaming and singing, there's no there's no warnings there. And, and I, I keep going back to uh, something that I heard uh, Lyman Stone say at one point. It's not about the most effective policy from the government when fighting a pandemic is not lockdowns. It's not mandates. None of that stuff. It's communicating accurate and uh, information that the people can depend on, that you're not changing every five minutes. That's not it doesn't seem dependent on the circumstances. Here we see that the media continually acting as if the coronavirus has gone away when people on the left are gathering. And it's, it's really bothersome. And I don't think it helps the situation at all. I mean, it, it utterly infuriates me. I remember when kind of the anti-police violence uh, uh, protests and and uh, activity began at the in the in the beginning of the summer. And at the time, I said, "Great, good, <laughs> the the lockdowns are over. This is awesome." <laughs> and I had no idea that actually it was just over for them. Mm. But as soon as that was over, in any other context, the same kind of media expert class was going to say, no, 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 well, you can't, you shouldn't go to the beach, you shouldn't play at the park if you're a, if you're a, a Jewish community in New York, you're back to your, back to your homes, please, which is basically the guidance they got from Bill de Blasio. Mm. Um, yeah, this is just more of that same kind of hypocrisy. I mean, you can look, there was someone, it was a, it was a liberal journalist who, who was saying, yeah, let's, look, this is great on, on Twitter. Everybody's celebrating in the streets of D.C. And then six hours later was, you know, attacking college students for celebrating after a football game. Same level of mask wearing, same level of closeness. Um, you know, Washington, D.C., uh, where, which is where I live, and there was, you know, tons of celebrating in the streets. Um, the schools are still closed here. They're not reopening. They were supposed to reopen this week. That was the plan, and up until just right before the teachers' unions, with their 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 threatening behavior, uh, convinced the mayor to to rescind those plans. So still, schools are not open, um, even though there's you know very little evidence that it's risky to do so. We know from the data that we have that you can safely reopen schools. Still refuse to do it. Um, it's uh, the hypocrisy is really stunning, and of course, look, we're in a bad shape right now. The pandemic's getting worse. Cases are rising. I think there's not a lot to be done. It, this is sad, but it was always going to be the case that people could not stay locked down, not go to their jobs, not see their loved ones, not, not be involved in social activity for forever. If it relied on us doing that for a year and a half, it was just never going to work. It, it turned out maybe we could do it for two months, maybe we could do it for six weeks, but we're now eight months into this thing. And I, I don't I don't think people can do it to the same degree anymore. So any plan to fight covid that relies on just super compliance with with being like alone and by yourself at this point is not going to work. And ex the experts in the media need to like take that into account. They need to take into account human nature. Yeah, that's an important part of this. And it's actually the brilliance of our founders who really said to everybody, look, we, we, we are fallible, right? We're not going to be perfect. That's why we created this government this way. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Do you have a take or a vibe on what we're going to see from a potential Biden administration. Do you think the worst th types of things, you know, national mask mandates and, and these types of crackdowns come from, from him? Is it the type of thing where he's 
trying to convince governors to do this. I don't see how he has any power to do a national mask mandate, but I, that might be beside the, uh, the beside the point at this at this at this uh, you know at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, Biden absolutely does not have the authority to implement a national mask mandate. I, I, I thought when he suggested that he might do that, it was I, honestly it was a rare moment of him. Uh, 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 an, an unforced error during the campaign. I don't know why he had to even say that. Like he was good through most of the campaign about you know saying we're not act- I'm not actually a socialist. He didn't use the words defund the police. Actually, he kind of avoided some pitfalls really, and which is I think part of the reason he won. Yeah. Uh, he that was a bad call on his part. Now it's not quite clear exactly what he will do differently with respect to the pandemic from President Trump. In the debates, when the moderators tried to kind of get him to explain that, it was very unclear to me because obviously he was so critical of what President Trump has done, but it, then it, it just wasn't clear what he wanted to do differently, uh, especially at this point. You know, of course he wanted to do things differently at the beginning, but that's with hindsight. Um, I, I would be. You know, I, I think it's even less likely schools reopen uh, under a Biden administration because the Democrats are so much uh, more beholden to the teachers unions. But even that is really a state and local call. I don't know that the federal government has much to do with that. So uh, I'm not I'm not predicting that things will necessarily be dramatically different. It, it, it seems the case that that Biden was complaining less about lockdowns than Trump was. But, you know, Trump would would complain about them and then do what his advisors were telling to, to him to do anyway. Mm. So it might be that there's just not a lot of difference. Uh, I'm I'm quite concerned about the things some people have said. Uh, for instance, Governor Cuomo uh, ta- re- reacting to the vaccine news and saying, "Well, this is like a bad thing that we have this vaccine already because Trump is still president." He suggested that he might want to uh, uh, subject it to additional improve uh, approval that it wasn't just going to be FDA approval, but there should be some state-based approval. Uh, the FDA already moves too slowly on things, <laughs> right. for my taste. Yeah. So that was concerning. Uh, do you think uh, one of the questions I get a lot from people is, "Do you think that Biden is going to try to mandate?" this vaccine? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I think he shouldn't. I I think uh, even if that would be uh, a good uh, policy in terms of of fighting the pandemic, I think that would um, truly frighten people uh, and and Mm. and cause them rightly to worry that they're they're They just have no rights. I think the social disunity that would result from doing that is just would just be too reckless. So I, 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 I don't think uh, the the government should I mean the government should make the vaccine available to, as as best they possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, but but forcing people to get it I I I would I, I hope they don't go down that route and I I expect they won't but who knows Yeah who knows um, Let me change gears with you for a couple of minutes before we leave You you pointed out something that I had not seen uh, on Twitter this week where you're talking about this this story and it's just a bizarre one about a guy who is interviewing Emily Raj Rajakowski. Uh, the model. And she it became this big like controversy be- between almost like a, a new sort of level of me, too. I wasn't sure I wasn't aware existed. Can you explain what happened? Yeah, they're, they're, we're all, always finding new levels of me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was uh, Thomas Chatterson. Uh, Williams is a is a in, a very interesting writer. Uh, he wrote for a French publication a profile of Emily, Emily Ratchkowski, who's the very uh, attractive model, uh, acknowledging that she's very attractive. Uh, 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 she is a model. Like this is someone <laughs> right. whose whose physicality is kind of part of the conversation about her, uh, wi- which she willingly done on her part. Mm-hmm. Not it was not like 
thrust on her uh, without her cooperation. And he was being some terrible liberal journalist brought this, uh, rediscovered this article and started tweeting about it. And there was there was kind of a minor cancel culture moment uh, involving this guy. And I was just like, this is so so ridiculous that you I mean, she again, she's she's a model. Being attractive is part of her thing. And then some of the people attacking her uh, or attacking uh, him for 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 writing about her work for BuzzFeed, where they have like tons and tons and tons of listicle articles about attractive celebrities that are like very like leery about them being good looking. Um, so like, let's, let, let's not like, there was obvious hypocrisy here. Who is it okay to sexualize? I'm not sure Buzzfeed has figured that out. No, it seems like a little bit of a double standard there. I, I, I can't understand like you're, you know, she's a model and I understand that you could turn her into just a thing. And that's the, I guess what we're supposed to avoid here. She's, she's a person and she's, I guess, smart or whatever. I don't know her. So she may or may not be smart, but the bottom line here is that if you are a model and you're getting paid millions of dollars to be attractive in front of other people, which is what she is doing. That is the job. That is the job description. The fact that someone would point it out cannot possibly be surprising to her. And she, it wasn't just BuzzFeed. I mean, she reacted really negatively to it as well, as if it was this really offensive moment. I mean, we are just insane at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line. It's insane. I think she is a very intelligent person. I've read uh, an article she wrote, I think, for New York Magazine um, about her career that was that was really it was a great article. I would love to read more by her. Um, but but this was just such a stupid thing to get there. Was like, and it wasn't even a new article. Like, why go digging for things? What what propels people to go looking for reasons to be mad mm. just like that are in the ancient past that involve like stupid, careless things we've all said. We've all done that. We've all said stupid things we would rather forget. It sucks that Twitter is around forever to punish us, to punish young people before they knew better. Uh, We have to become more forgiving as a society. Someone has to start this trend. Uh, It'll be me, maybe me me alone, who's like, I don't care about this. Please just stop. Leave people alone. Be a little bit more forgiving. You don't know when it will be your turn uh, to suffer this kind of this kind of attack. Well, because you said that, we're going back through your entire Twitter history right now, looking for <laughs> comments uh, to exploit. Uh, Robbie Suave, senior editor for Reason and the author of Panic Attack: Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. Thanks for coming on the show, Robbie. My pleasure. Going into hiding now. All right, <laughs> back in a second. Well, American hero and nonstop perma-victim, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose defining characteristic is not that she's a socialist, is that, and that's not even that she's stupid. I mean, those two things are also true, but her defining characteristic happens to be that she's always the victim of something. This time, she's a victim of her own party. She says the reason that Democrats lost seats in Congress, not because all their ideas suck, of course not. It's because they barely advertised on Facebook and are internet incompetent. Now, I will say, I guess Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is more competent at the, you know, at doing internet stuff than the Democratic Party, who's filled with 94-year-olds. Uh, it's probably true. 
she also has like an island on a game or something. We reported that to you, and that you know, breaking story just a couple weeks ago. She's got an island on a game. If you're on a game, she might be on an island. You might bump into her on an island, and won't that be fun? Imagine running into Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on an island. Wouldn't that be your dream vacation? I know it would be for me. She said Democratic candidates were sitting ducks while Republicans were more actively campaigning online and vulnerable because uh, and were vulnerable because they weren't even on the mediums where those messages were most potent. Our party isn't even online, not in a real way that exhibits competence. Now, I thought that Barack Obama was like the guy who created the Internet. I mean, they basically I mean, we know Al Gore created it, but Barack Obama created campaigning on the Internet. We were told that they were the ones basically the actual experts when it comes to campaigning on on the internet. Apparently that's faded away and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has lost some of her wonderful friends in Congress and she's very upset about that and it's the Democratic Party's fault and the internet's fault and Facebook's fault. Damn you, Mark Zuckerberg. That's how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a victim today. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria a victim today? Speaking of crap heap politicians, I need to direct you to a little uh, exchange with uh, Andrew Cuomo. Now, Andrew Cuomo, as you know, is awful. Dot com. Get your mug now. Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. Uh, you may know he's awful and you may know that he's kind of he's been able to ride this downslope of coronavirus cases uh, since he basically killed off half the population in March and April. And it's been interesting because he's been bragging about this so much so that he actually uh, wrote a book in which he, again, denied the realities of what occurred, acted as if he did a good job when everyone knows he was he was over the worst coronavirus response in the United States uh, and in, in you know, really in the world, bar none. Now, because of this, he's been able to have this sort of credibility because he's come out and he said, look, I, now, yes, we had that bad problem before when I really blew it and you killed off you know, a bunch of grandmas. But now you can trust me. I'm trustworthy now because look at our numbers are low. And I swear to you, I'm going to prove maybe maybe later this week, maybe next week. I'm going to prove to you that Andrew Cuomo's book actually causes coronavirus cases. I've got a chart that proves it. But I will say as soon as his book came out, that's when New York in some sort of awful, awful retribution against his pathetic, pathetic uh, ego and ever since then, they've been having this uptick in, in uh, cases. And it's hard to go sell your book on TV and radio. Like, that's really all the only thing he does for the state is go on television. It's hard to do that when the cases are getting ugly again. Now, it's starting to take up a little bit. Uh, this, uh, let me give you this uh, tweet. Uh, per Governor Cuomo, the latest uh, positive testing rate for coronavirus in New York City was 2.4%. Statewide rate is 3.09%, both higher than they have been in months and rising. 1,548 people remain hospitalized statewide, significantly higher than the 1,400 Cuomo said yesterday. Cuomo did not do a press call today to go over what appears to be very troubling COVID numbers. And those numbers were released late in the day, which is unusual. Cuomo continues to do press appearances to promote his COVID book, including going on Howard Stern's show. So this dolt is going on shows like Howard Stern to brag about what an amazing job he's done while the situation is starting to climb again. Now, it's not out of control. Uh, it is not in a situation. I don't want to tempt any New York politicians that might happen to be listening. Doesn't mean shut down the entire world yet again. 
But it is interesting to see as this situation is getting worse, he's starting to avoid his own press conferences while he still goes on places like Howard Stern's show. Uh, this man is a disgrace. I mean, it, it, he is an absolute disgrace. If you go to my uh, Twitter uh, page at Stu Does America, and I'd love to have you follow there, or on oh, on Instagram too, uh, Stu Does America. You can follow me there, and also on uh, I think Facebook, and I don't know. I'm I'm on the I'm on the Instaface. You can go get me at the Instaface. Uh, but subscribe to all those things. At Twitter, though, is uh, pinned to the top of the profile is the my piece in the New York Post about Andrew Cuomo. Read it. Uh, if you haven't read that yet. Share it with some dumb liberal who thinks that, uh, you know, Andrew Cuomo's done a good job. Somebody needs to know it. There's like four people out there saying how bad of an Andrew, a good job Andrew Cuomo has done. I know it's more than that because we've sold a lot of these mugs. But I will say, there's lots of people around the country that have Andrew Cuomo is awful mugs. And apparently those are the only people who understand how awful he really is. So let's expand that audience. You don't have to buy a mug, although you can. AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. But if nothing else... Tell people how awful Andrew Cuomo truly is. Back in a second. I want to tell you about Not Free America. It's a new book written by Mike Donovan. Now, Mike Donovan's been fighting against the government and the tyranny from the government for quite a long time. Uh, He is the founder of the nation's largest pro bono civil rights law firm. We know the Bill of Rights. We know how important it is. We've been talking about the founding here at The Blaze forever, trying to implement the policies and principles from the founding documents into everyday life. And we know that that's been under attack for a long time, long before this period where it seems to be getting worse. I will say COVID, uh, while I do consider it a very serious problem, is being utilized to uh, for all sorts of really bad things uh, on top of how bad of an issue it really is. If you don't want to surrender to the government or any earthly power, you need to read Mike Donovan's book, Not Free America. You can take the Liberty Pledge there as well. Uh, he's trying to create a movement, trying to solve some problems in America. And that is an important thing. We all we need more ideas, not less. We need more solutions, not less. The overarching abuse of our government is a real thing that we've talked about over and over again. Mike has ways that he, he thinks, yeah, look, he wants to bring them to you. He wants you to, uh, to see if we can make this a little bit better and get past these problems. NotFreeAmerica.com is the place to go to get the book. NotFreeAmerica.com. You can order your book there. Take the Liberty Pledge. NotFreeAmerica.com. Everything is racist. Yes, everything is very, very racist, including a new thing that's racist. There's always a new thing every single day. Uh, Right now, reality shows are racist. Reality shows are racist. CBS reality shows must now have 50% non-white casts. The network says, and this is interesting because, by definition, that's just not reality. We don't we don't live in a country that's 50% non-white. We live in a country that's like 75 or 72% white, or whatever it is. That's not good or bad. We're not supposed to care about those things at all. I will say though that for no reason making it 50% is just a bizarre racial quota. Uh, that they're going to implement anyway. They say that their new uh, slate of reality shows, including Survivor, Big Brother, and Love Island, which I'm sure is really good, they will become more diverse in 2021. 50% of their cast must be black, indigenous, or people of color. That's 
If you don't know, that's BIPOC. Not Tupac, but BIPOC. This, uh, this starts in... It's unbelievable. 25% of its development budget must be cre- toward creators and producers who are BIPOC. Now, if you happen to be a BIPOC person that happens to not be in front of the camera but behind it, aren't you pissed off? You're only getting 25% of the cash while 50% of the cast has to be BIPOC? I mean, I don't even understand these standards. But apparently, I guess if we have 50% of reality show casts that are BIPOC, then we are no longer racist, but we'll never quite get there because once we get to 50%, then of course, obviously, the only answer will be 100% BIPOC cases. When you have a 100% BIPOC cast for a reality show, then you'll know that everything is not racist. But for now, everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Uh, all right. What can we do? Let's see. Let's just take another racist commercial break. Back in a second. Trying to sell or buy a home in these times can be racist or it can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who can come in and take charge. If you need the house painted, well, who are you going to talk to? Well, what color are you painting it? Is it a racist color? Is it a white house? Well, if you know, that's where racists live. How about if you need to replace the stairs? Well, maybe the real estate agent has a guy. But is that guy white? If he's white, he shouldn't be allowed in your home because that's racist. What about your roof? Does it need to be repaired? Well, no sweat. Of course, we can bring in someone who is the appropriate amount of diverse to fix your roof. That's what people at realestateagentsitrust.com can do. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the best place to go because you got to have somebody who can be screened. You need to have someone who who can actually do the job. And you need to have someone you can trust. This is your biggest financial uh, transaction, and you can't turn it over to just anybody. You certainly can't turn it over to a white person. We know that. That would be bad. At least 50% of your real estate transactions must be done by a BIPOC. And we know that now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. They have BIPOCs and they have white people there. They have all the colors of the rainbow. That's because they don't care about the color of the agent. They care about the quality of the agent. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Thank you so much for listening on YouTube, on podcast. If you happen to be on podcast on iTunes, we'd love to get your reviews. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This comes from the catchy username 5838285839, which is a great username. What's up with that? I love this stupid show, but how has Andrew Cuomo not been inducted into the Douche Hall of Fame at least 10 times by now? Do the right thing, Stu. Do the right thing. Okay? He's been officially inducted. Sort of. I don't know if that's official or not. Pat's not here to approve that. But five freaking stars. Thank you very much for the review. Uh, Drink More Beer writes in, more drinking episodes. Now you know I like this stupid show. It's true. We actually have, what are we, 33 episodes away from our 200th, which I guess we have to do another uh, Power Hour episode. That's, I'm not ready for it. It's only been 100 episodes. I need more time. 
I need more time to prepare myself for another one of those. Five freaking stars. Um, Stu is amazing. Love the show. Laugh and learn. And overall, time well spent. I totally agree with you. Five freaking stars. And literally, this is literally the best show in the universe. And of course, I mean that figuratively. Whatever. You know the thing. Thanks, Joe Biden, for the review. Five freaking stars. Uh, Before we leave, uh, a lot of dumb people voting this past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Lots of stupid people. Remember to learn, then vote. The order is important. Learn, then vote. You can go to learnthenvote.com and get the T-shirt. We'll see you tomorrow.